Bible says that God looked for a man that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge thereof. As you men were singing, I couldn't help but think of the opportunity and also the responsibility that you carry as men. And for those of you who were sitting back there, you can thank God that you have men who are committed to truth, committed to raising up the foundations of many generations. You are a blessed church. This is the first time I've seen that tradition, but I must confess I really liked it. I like men's music, and there's something about you men standing up and saying, we have an anchor that keeps the soul. Wow, that gives me a, that gives me a secure feeling and anticipation as to what God wants to do in each of your families, in your church, and in your community. And yes, we are going to miss you. And we will take with us just a part of you, the blessings and encouragement of getting to know you and of hearing some of your journeys of faith has been a tremendous blessing and encouragement to us. And I can't, I got to mention the young people. Uh, I don't know if they like sitting up here or not, but I can tell you they have been a real blessing to me and they've listened well. And uh, I just want to bless you. May God give you grace and strength as you face life. And uh, know this, that God is going to be faithful to you. You can trust him with your life. So yes, pray for us, and we want to do the same for you. And uh, people come through Delaware, and they tell me, oh yeah, we came by Dover. They go down to the shore. Well, uh, a lot of times... They don't stop in, but I want you to know you're welcome to stop in. We're about six miles west of Dover and uh, right in the center of the Amish community and want you to know that we would welcome you anytime. And uh, the Lord's blessing to you as you continue to be faithful. Couldn't help but think of the words of the first song we sang. Frail children of dust and feeble as frail. Do you know how feeble you really are? Do we know how frail we really are? But listen to this. In thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Thy mercies, how tender, how firm to the end, our maker, our defender, our redeemer, but even our friend, what a, what a gift you have in the Lord Jesus Christ this evening. So I hope that 
as you go from here, like our brothers shared, that some tidbit of truth that has come to you this week, some way that God has spoken to your heart, that you'll attempt to put it into practice in practical ways in your journey of faith. And I especially want to encourage you to be there for each other, to walk beside each other, and to look for ways to lift each other up and encourage each other. There's enough tearing down in our world. We don't need that, but we can certainly use the joy and blessing of building each other up in our faith and commitment. Let's sing a couple verses again tonight of Come Gracious Spirit, Heavenly Dove. Come Gracious Spirit, Heavenly Dove, with my and we thank you. I pray that you would minister grace to our hearts tonight as we look into your word. May your Holy Spirit bring the word to our hearts in ways that we can understand and apply it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 for a text this evening, and our text is found in verses 12 and 13 of this passage of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12. 
The verse says this, Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet lest that which is lame be turned out of the way but let it rather be healed. Wow. Let it rather be healed. I have a question for us to consider tonight and think about. Why would hands hang down? Why would knees become feeble? Why would legs be put out of joint? During a different, difficult time in my ministry, I pulled a book out of my library and I read these words. Modern Christianity has promised to relieve the pain of living in a fallen world. Complete satisfaction can be yours this side of heaven. He went on to say that the effect of such teaching is to blunt the painful reality of what it is like to live as part of an imperfect and sometimes an evil community. He continues on, we were created to enjoy a better world than this. And until that world comes along, we will groan for what we do not have here. Paul says, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Larry Crabb goes on to say, when we reflect deeply on how life really is, both inside our soul and outside in our world, a quiet terror threatens to overwhelm us. In those moments, retreat into denial does not seem cowardly. It seems necessary and smart. The truth is this evening, people, we don't like to hurt. We want relief now. We were created for a garden without weeds, relationships without friction, fellowship without distance. But the reality is that often those things fail to reach our expectations and desires. Perhaps you, like me, have been impacted with the desire to be all that you can be for God. Perhaps you've also been made aware and deeply saddened by the lostness of our society and our world, and then sometimes of our own lostness. But then you have been challenged and encouraged by the good news of the gospel. It comes to me now, you know what? The gospel is still the most effective changer of lives that there is. Ken Sandy shares the story 
of his adopted daughter, Megan. He comes home. Megan is sassing her mother and tormenting her brother. Ken says to her, he says, Megan, go into my study and I'll be in to talk to you. As he was on his way in, the Holy Spirit said, Ken, how effective have your, have your lectures been in your daughter? And he, re, he recognized that they had not been very effective. He goes into, her, into the study and his daughter is in the chair in the corner with her fist clenched. And Ken says to his daughter, he says, if Jesus were here, what do you think he'd say to you? And she immediately spat out, quit sassing your mother and tormenting your brother. He said, no. He said, if Jesus were here, can I tell you what I think he would say to you? And then he proceeded. And listen, people, the gospel is so powerful. You know what he said? He said to his daughter, you know, Megan, I created you with a wonderful purpose for your life. And you know what, Megan? I love you so much that I came down and died for you. And Megan, if you'd have been the only one, I would have died for you. And Megan, you know what? I have a wonderful plan for your life. And you know what? I am preparing a wonderful place for you to come live with me. And you know what? I can't wait until you come to live with me in heaven. As he shared the gospel with his daughter, her fists were unclenched. She got out of her chair, she came over, and she laid her head in her daddy's lap, and she said, Daddy, please pray for me. I hate the way I am. The power of the gospel is absolutely incredible. And by the way, you know what? I've used that illustration. I've used it on some in my with my grandchildren. It is amazing to me how Satan tries to take away the power of the gospel. Listen, the power of the gospel will do more to change your children than to change your own life, to change other people than anything you can muster up. And so often we lecture and we talk and we try, you know what, even ministers, need to know and hear the power of the good news. So I asked the question tonight. Why would hands hang down? Why would knees become feeble? I want to read a very familiar passage here, starting with verse 1, but I won't read the whole passage. Wherefore, seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, I think my brothers are a part of that cloud. You know people who are a part of that cloud. Guess what? Do you know what? That they're cheering you on. They want to see you finish the race well. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author, that means the starter, and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
and is set down, at, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Get that word, contradiction of sinners. Lest, oh, lest what? Lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood in striving against sin. Verse 12, wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Looking diligent, follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any, of, any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person who for one morsel, get this, one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For some time, I was aware that in Chestertown, Maryland, there was a reenactment of the Boston Tea Party, where not only in Boston, but in Chester, in the Chester River, during the rebellion against the King of England, there was tea thrown into the river. And so one Saturday, it was our anniversary, and Ellie and I decided we're going to go over there and take this in. We have Ellie's dad's 1965 Oldsmobile F85. And I was going to show her some of the houses that we built. It was going to be a wonderful anniversary trip. We had no idea all the lessons the Lord would have for us in that journey that day. Now parades, and what would happen is, the street that went down to the river, they would reenact a parade and they would go down to the river where they would reenact the throwing of tea into the Chester River. Now parades are characterized by formation, by marching, by music, by precise timing, by people at their best. But what happens when the distance is great? What happens when the horses refuse to cooperate? What happens when the hand raising the flag gets tired? What happens when the feet marching in rhythm get heavy? What happens when the hand twirling the baton gets weary? What happens when the parade shuts down to clean up the street? 
What happens when invitations to join the parade, and there were actually that happening that day, are spurned? And what happens when it rains on your parade? All of that happened. Look at the context. Wherefore, seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Prades are kind of accompanied by people lining the streets watching. Your journey of faith, your parade, your race, lined with the heroes of faith, those who've gone on before, those whose faith have held fast in all kinds of circumstances, grandparents, parents, brothers and sisters, cousins. And the participants in this parade are you and I. But you know what? Guess what? There are weights to be contended with. There are besetting sins. Besetting sins are simply sins which trip you up again and again. There's a hostility of sinners. Disputings, debates, disagreements that sometimes happen in church. There are feelings of fainting. I said as a child growing up, it's kind of interesting. I said I gravitated between fainting. The Bible says, don't despise when you're chastised. I don't know what you thought of discipline when you were disciplined by your dad, but sometimes it seemed like it was next to fainting or despising. Go licking your wounds, checking the, the dead. Checking out the damage. <laughs> there are scourgings. And there are corrections from the Lord. And trust me, people, when God comes into your life and begins to correct you for areas that need correcting, I'll tell you what, it's not an easy process. I know what that's like. And yet, let me tell you, you know what blessed me? One day I was reading this passage and it said, if you were, are without chastisement, guess what? You are not a son. You are an illegitimate child. For God chastises those he loves. And the thought just, you know what? God must really love me. My dad was a pretty firm disciplinarian disciplinarian but you know what I remember after he was finished disciplining us I can still feel his arms around me and I can still sense the deep love that he had for his children our heavenly father loves us so much he doesn't want to let you continue in a path that's going to take you away from him and so he brings discipline and correction into our lives it's all part of the parade and in those moments, you know, there's weariness. In those moments, the parade is no longer fun. The glory can be overshadowed by the struggle 
to lift the foot one more time. The interesting thing about the parade that we were watching was that there were a lot of older people in the parade, and I could tell they just were not really prepared for this parade. You could just tell it was about all they could do to lift the foot one more time. The prize can seem so far away, so distant, and so unreachable. And so what has happened? Your hands begin to hang down. Your feet begin to get feeble. The feet seem like they can't march anymore. And failure seems very close at hand. Let me ask you, what do you do when you can't change circumstances? What do you do when you can't change people? Some of you can't even change your wives. Why? By the way, let me say, don't waste your time. Change yourself. <laughs> what do you do when you can't change yourself. In those moments, the words from Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 6, take on some real significance. It says, If you have raced with the footmen and they have wearied thee, how will you compete with horses? And in a safe land you are so trusting, how will you handle the swelling of Jordan? In your moments of hanging hands and weak knees, in your moments of weariness, there are some temptations. Are you listening? There are some temptations that must be resisted, rejected, and refused if you're going to finish the race or if you're going to finish the parade. If you would receive the prize, if you would reach the heavenly city, three things. The first one is this, reject the crooked paths. And I think of the three Ds. I call them three Ds of Satan. You know what they are? Disappointment, discouragement, and depression. I thought of our scripture, keep thy heart above all keeping for out of it are the issues of life. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. Let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left hand. Remove your foot from evil. Guess what? When others, this happens, when others are slipping out of the race, when others are entering crooked paths of reinterpretation of God's word and its authority in your life, when others are compromising their positions and their faith, what will you do? What will be your response? Which path will you take? And I encourage you, and I just loved again the men up here. Men, be a Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I asked my dad, I said, Papa, what directed you 
as a young man in the way that you organized and led our family. He told me this, he said, Dave, I looked around and I saw what I didn't want. And I'll tell you what, the word of God was very important to my dad when he got his life straightened out. He kept a New Testament in his car that he went to work with. My cousins talk about that, but the thing that I remember, he was determined that his children would learn the word of God. And you know, it sticks with you. He would write verses on one side of the card and the index, or the reference on the back side, and he would drill us. He'd show the, he'd show the uh, reference and we'd say the verse. He'd show the verse and we'd say the reference. And some of those things have never left me. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. You can't make mouths at God and get away with it. So those scriptures became a very important part of our journey of faith. And so be a Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Be a Joseph, young people. How can I do this sin against God? Be a Daniel. Children, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself and he became 10 times better. And be a true hiker. I didn't know what a true hiker was. I have a relative that when his wife died, in dealing with his grief, he left his business and he hiked the Appalachian Trail. And he shared his testimony with us. And I found out that a true hiker is one that starts at the beginning and goes clear through to the end. People will go part way, but there's something about a person who started at the beginning and went the whole trail to the end. Can you imagine the feeling when they come to the end of the trail and know that they have done the whole thing? Be a true hiker. Determine what is right and do it. Determine to keep running. How many of you young people know what it's like to run a race? And especially if you're a person who runs the mile, it's one thing to sprint. But I'll tell you what, running a long race, after a while, it gets to you. And you have these feelings of, I can't, I don't know if I can make it. I, I don't know if I can make it. Do you ever see runners run alongside of those who are running to encourage them? I love that. Yes, you can do it. You Keep on. You'll make it. You'll get there. Yes. Determine to make straight paths for your feet and for those following you. The race will not be completed. The parade will not be completed if you succumb to discouragement, disappointment, and depression. And I got the idea at that parade that some of these people had just about had it with the parade. The second thing, refuse. Listen, people. Sometime in your life, you're going to be tempted to become bitter. 
You're going to be frustrated with what people say and do. Refuse the root of bitterness. That's kind of like a trap stick. It's like when you're hunting, young men, and you're walking through the woods, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you never saw it coming. Something strikes you in the face, and you're like, where did that come from? It is so difficult because it's such a surprise. And that happens in our church relations sometimes. It's like when I was a teenager, we, we grew peppers. And we got together as young people, and we would uh, pick these peppers. And we had a pathway in the middle where we brought the peppers to. Well, I had my eyes on this particular girl. I kind of liked her. And to this day, I have no idea why I did what I did. She was in the back of the patch, and I was towards the front. She and her friend decided to race down through that path in the middle. And they raced right by me, and with, I stuck my foot out. <laughs> I got her attention. <laughs> she was not impressed because she fell headlong. That's the idea of a trap stick. And the author is saying, watch out for the root. You know what? How many people have talked to you and said, I've had people say, Dave, yeah, I was a part of a church one day, but let me tell you what happened. And usually somebody did something, somebody said something, and a root of bitterness developed. There are some stubborn roots in your parade which can take a good person down. And you're particularly vulnerable when you're discouraged, disappointed, or depressed. These things will dampen your spirit. They will rob you of joy and put a chip on your shoulder. You ever been there? I've shared a bit of my dad, and my dad were in ministry together, and there's a certain time in our journey that we began to struggle, my wife and I, with my parents. And um, during that time, Nelson Koblenz came to our church, and he preached on this passage. And I had never, you know, the, the passage talks about besetting sins. Well, that morning, the besetting sin was bitterness. I'll never forget that message. And after the message, he gave an invitation. And my wife and I went to the front of the church. As we were standing up there after the service, my dad came up and he put his arm around me. He said, Dave, did this have anything to do with me? Let me just say, you can't afford to hold grudges and ill will towards people. It will ruin your life. And it won't just defile you, but it will defile those around you because it affects your spirit and attitude. Steve Pickett at convention, he had his patch over his eye. He had three words that I just loved. He'd say, let it go. Just let it go. 
And there's something, there's something so freeing, even in our relationships, about just surrendering it to God, letting it go. You can't fix it anyway. Give it to God and don't let it destroy your spirit and your attitude and your relationships. Third and last thing. Refuse to sell your birthright. The reason I'm smiling, <laughs> you know a story's coming. So we're at this anniversary. We're having a wonderful day, and there's vendors with all kinds of food. One problem, like even this weekend, I went without money. Well, I had $12. I think I had about $12 in my billfold. And I had my credit card. And so Ellie and I are going around to these vendors, and sure enough, I come to this place where they're doing spare ribs. And they not only were doing it, but they were giving you a taste of the spare ribs. And one taste did it. I'll tell you, I was like, you know what? In my head, in my head, we're going to look at the other vendors, but I'm coming back here. Of course, I'm thinking half a rack at least or something, you know. We come back, and they would not take credit card. It was just, and, and a sandwich, a spare ridge sandwich was like $12 or something like that. But I was determined to have it either way. My wife, she says, Dave. <laughs> She's like, that's, that's, that's way too much money. <laughs> and Dave got a little chip on his shoulder. We went around to some other food places, and guess what? We left there without buying anything. And it's lunchtime. Now we're on our anniversary trip. So we went to the houses that I had built, and I was showing her some of the houses, and no one, no one offered us any food. So we finally get back to Delaware. I think it was around 2.30, maybe. We go in the house, and I'm back in the bedroom, and Ellie, she's out in the kitchen. She says, Dave, would you eat some potatoes and eggs if I made them? And I love potatoes and eggs. And I was being contrary. I said, no. <laughs> Isn't it funny how life is? A good anniversary trip, kind of gone bad, over a morsel of meat. <laughs> then I said to her, yes, I'll have some potatoes and eggs. So instead of the ribs, I had potatoes and eggs. Resist selling your birthright. Beware of the tempt. And you know what, people? Listen. I got to stay here. I want to walk. But you know something? Often after spiritual victories, Satan will bring temptations. And often when you're discouraged with life and you're frustrated with things, Satan knows how to offer substitutions for what's right. Those are vulnerable times in our lives. That's why we need each other's prayers.
There will always be Satan's substitutes to offer temporary satisfaction. Hence the need, and when I say this, people, it, it, it frustrates me. I'll be honest, it frustrates me about my own self and how the flesh. But we need to draw some lines in the sand. We need to set some boundaries in our hearts. We need to purpose that we will not defile ourselves with the king's meat. That often means, young people, that you will find yourself standing alone. It may cost you some friendships. By the way, I thought this morning, I just enjoyed Sunday school this morning. I thought about it a good bit today. And let me give you a little tidbit that's been helpful, for to, me, helpful to me. Relationships are more important than personal preference. I'll say that again. Relationships are more important than personal preferences. But they're less important than truth, than biblical principles. We ought to obey God rather than men. Ultimately, each one of us needs to give an account to our Heavenly Father. And sometimes, you know what? That cost relationships. He that loveth father or mother more than me, he that loveth sister or brother more than me, is not worthy of me. And I've watched people make that decision that costs them relationships to follow Jesus Christ. We need to purpose in our hearts that we will not defile ourselves with the king's meat. Lift up the hands. You know another thing? Lift each other's hands up, like Aaron and Hur did. Lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Let's just bow our heads quietly, and I just want us to, in our own hearts, ask God what he wants to show us, what he wants to teach us. You may find yourself making commitments and I just want to encourage all of you, whatever you do, don't throw in the towel. Don't quit the race. Don't allow the temptations that the enemy offers to sidetrack you from finishing your race. Let's bow our heads quietly.
Father, we admit tonight that there have been times in our journey of faith where we have gotten tired. We have been disappointed. We have allowed discouragement, even resentment and bitterness to overtake us. Or we've accepted Satan's offer of a morsel of meat. And I just pray that tonight, in the quietness of this moment, our hearts would be drawn to faithfulness, that we would know how to not only finish the race, but we would encourage each other. More than anything, God, help us to find ways to lift our brother and sister's hands in their times of need. Give us alertness to loneliness, alertness to disappointments and discouragements among us, and help us to know how to reach out in commitment and faith. And I do pray just a special blessing on this congregation. Lord, as we separate from each other, may your grace go with each one and enable us to live the kind of lives that will honor you and that will be a blessing in a broken and a fallen world. We ask that you cleanse our hearts, our spirits from all that is evil, and that you fill us with love for you and love for our fellow men, that we could be a light and a testimony in this day in which we live. And Lord, we pray for your wisdom, a lot of decisions, a lot of directions that we need to look at and think about and help us to be wise and to be careful in the decisions that we make. And so we pray your blessing and benediction on all of our lives. And may you receive glory and honor from our lives. And Lord, help us to continue to faithfully serve you and follow you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Stand together with me and let's sing, follow the path of Jesus.